Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica, and joining us today is Lance Sabo from ABB. Lance is Senior Vice President of Service and Support for ABB eMobility. Today we're going to jump into the U.S. NEVI program particularly, but also just more broadly EV charging, maintenance, service, and uh, reliability. But just to start off, Lance, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, who you are, where you came from and uh, you know why you're in this industry in general. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, appreciate you having me on, Zach. So uh, I've been with ABB for 18 years, all in the service industry. I kind of come from a mission critical background as we like to call it. So I spent uh, about 12 years running ABB's data center services. And this is really built around 24 seven support, very fast response times. In the middle of the night, it's it's not surprising to get a call with a request for somebody to be on site. Uh, so 12 years there with ABB. And then uh, I spent about five years running ABB's motion services, which is variable frequency drives and motor controls uh, for North America. And about a year ago, I had the opportunity, a year and a half ago now, I guess, I had the opportunity to come here to, to e-mobility. You know, sustainability is a, a big piece of my life uh, and, and of my values. So it really aligned with where I wanted to take my career. Obviously, a big growth trajectory as well. Uh, so that was pretty exciting to come into a business and, and really lead it around growth. So I made the jump last January with, with moving over here and running initially service in the Americas. And then the roles kind of expanded a little bit from there over the last uh, 18 months. Sounds good. I actually just crossed my mind then. I'm curious uh, how the e-mobility unit has been growing at ABB. I remember I interviewed the CEO of ABB maybe eight years ago, and I feel like it was a very fresh unit at that time. How has it grown in the past you know, five years or so? Fast would be one way to describe it. So I think you know we the, the business really took off in the latter part of, of 2021 and coming into 2022. So we you know, from a personnel standpoint, I've, I've essentially tripled the size of the service business, almost quadrupled it just from a human capital standpoint, right? Install base growth continues moving in the right direction uh, rather dramatically. Obviously, NEVI funding and, and a lot of the programs that are out there today have uh, have assisted in that growth as well. It's uh, yeah. it's quite a trajectory, though. Yeah, we cover about, we've, we publish about 20 or more maybe EV sales reports a month, you know, tracking different markets and all that stuff. And and, you know, we've seen the explosive growth growth in the electric car market, but it didn't really like we don't really cover that in the EV charging space. I mean, we do in bits and pieces, but not in the same way at all. And it and it just crossed my mind as you were saying that like, oh, wow, yeah, he probably came over to e-mobility because it's exploding, you know, fun uh, segment of the company. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into just yeah, let's start by getting into the Nevi program itself and how that is uh, helping to escalate, you know, the conversations around e-mobility and EV charging and expectations for EV charging. Yeah, I think, you know, expectations is, is a good place to start, right? We, a lot of conversations historically with customers may be around, hey, we think we want to put some EV chargers in. Uh, you know, we won't, we don't really know much about this. Can you help us out? 
help us understand what we would need. Maintenance and uptime wasn't necessarily a focus uh, early on in those conversations. Now that's almost the conversation leader uh, is really maintenance and uptime. And so, you know, the, the, the customers come in and they're immediately talking about how do we obtain, you know, 97, 98, 99% uptime, what type of maintenance program do we need? What type of certifications? What's the support methodology like? That's, that's the conversation leader at this point. It's not even necessarily equipment availability. Is that because of the NEVI program or is that because as the industry has matured, people have realized, oh, this is really what we need to be focused on when we go shopping for EV chargers? I think there's there's a mix of both, right? So obviously the, the program structure for NEVI leads to a, a pretty stringent maintenance conversation, but there's obviously the, the customer satisfaction side of things as well, right? Ensuring that if you have chargers installed, they're up and available for customer usage. And there's, you know, there's, I, there's a lot of issues with chargers being down across the, the U.S. across the world in Europe as well and in Australia, but there seems to be there's a lot of different causes for it. Like for for example, sometimes the business model is someone puts in a charging station, and they don't consider the long term maintenance and service at all, and they and they're they're sort of doing it to attract customers. But as the station goes down, they're the one responsible, and they don't care or think about it. Other situations, it might be a a network problem where they're just having trouble expanding and maintaining systems. What do you what do you see as kind of the yeah what where would you how would you arrange the bucket of of causes of EV re- charger reliability problems? Is it yeah? I, I think you touched on a couple of great points, right? So first off, there's there's a, I would say a dramatic increase in utilization that is contributing to some maintenance challenges, right? So as as more customers use chargers, uh, obviously this could lead to further breakage. So there's there's one cause there. Uh, there's maybe uh, you know to as you mentioned, poor maintenance planning or right or a lack of focus on maintenance planning uh, with with some owners. Uh, so there's an area where customers are trying to play a little bit of catch up at this point. Uh, technological advances as well. Uh, we've got some some lagging equipment out there, older equipment that that was installed early on in the industry. That's maybe seeing a you know again a bit more utilization, a bit more aging than than initially expected. So there's a lot of newer companies doing maintenance as well, and so there could be a little bit of a lack of training there. You know, there's when I talk about hiring with folks, there's not a pool of experienced EV technicians that I can go pull from in the marketplace today, right? We're creating That's that interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic that we should definitely touch on, but there, there there's a whole myriad of issues here, right? As to what leads to poor maintenance. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a challenge with customers too, right? New industry, uh, new owners that maybe don't quite understand how a charger works, how to utilize a charger, no standards between the different manufacturers, that can lead to uh, different ways to use chargers as well. Yeah, I want to come back to the sort of evolution of EV charging capabilities and um, the workforce, but let's just focus on that ninety-seven percent, you know, requirement or ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent. If you know you're really um, achieving your goals, I'm sure. How do you work with partners yourself uh, at ABB to ensure that ninety-seven percent reliability? Because it's not just on you, but it's also not just on them. So how do you guys work with your partners on that? 
Yeah, there's, there's a couple of different ways that we look at it, right? So obviously we're working to expand our own field force and ensure that we've got a, a talented pool of technicians that are, that are ABB employees to go out and service equipment. We work with other partners as well. So folks that we train and certify on our equipment and that we provide a sort of rapid response to. Those, those, gra- those folks are really great in areas of, of heavy density and vice versa. They're really great in areas where I don't have staffing. Right, but we have EV charging, uh, so we continually work to to expand that network and and ensure that we're providing the the highest level of training possible to those partners. Yeah, we actually had a story recently I I found quite interesting. I think it was focused on Minnesota or Michigan, where you're where you're based, but I feel like it was Minnesota, and it was just a story a newspaper there had done, which we we then built off of about how electricians are tailoring their businesses more and more to EV charging specifically like they'll just sort of specialize as as ev charger installers and that's sort of the business they'll focus on and even within that which i found interesting and surprising was they'll even find a niche in the ev charging installation business for example they'll focus on restaurants or commercial properties or or just home chargers so you know you have this i was there's a really interesting look into what's happening there that i was not aware of is that are you finding that around the country and are you sort of I mean, are you, sounds like you're sort of helping to build that ecosystem a little bit. Is that correct? Am I understanding that? Yeah. I mean, we, we partner with a lot of installers, right. To get chargers in the ground from a maintenance perspective, we aren't partnering necessarily with, with electricians and installers. It's, it's a bit of a different skill set needed to maintain a charger, right. A little bit more of a technical background, at least that's how we view it. You know, there's a lot of say circuit board programming, Linux coding, and things that your traditional electrician doesn't have in, in necessarily in his toolbox. And not to say that there aren't some that potentially have that, but today we're looking and working with more, a little bit more technical companies, right, from a long-term maintenance perspective. That sounds quite challenging. I mean, even the electrician, you know, pool is is limited, and I mean, in high demand for, you know, limited su- supply. Are you working at all with like technical colleges or just companies to t- try to build build up that workforce? There's a couple of different ways we approach this, right? So, I mean, there's there's very parallel industries that are similar to what, from a technology perspective, as, as to what's contained in an EV charger, right? So I talked a little bit earlier before we started about my background in data centers and, and variable frequency drives. Those are what we call general power electronics, right? That's a very parallel industry to what we do. So someone that understands how AC power becomes DC power and DC comes back to AC really can understand how to work on a charger with the right level of training. And so we we target those very parallel industries to bring folks into this market. You know, there's, there's uh, let's be frank, right? This is a really cool market to work in. Uh, we, we equip our field engineers with, with nice EVs and so, you know, they get excited about that type of stuff. And so it's easy to bring them along and, and provide them the right level of training, move them from one industry to another uh, to go out and work on our chargers. Yeah. And no, no diss at all to what you were doing before. But as soon as you said, you know, that you moved to e-mobility, I thought, oh, that must have been exciting. And that's I mean, we, we used to cover a lot of a lot of topics that we cover less now because we cover electric vehicles almost constantly. So, I, I mean, I it's, it's just a fun moment in the industry. It's a fun transformation that's happening. So I imagine you and others are like, oh, yeah, I want to jump into the e-mobility yeah. sector, right? And yeah, yeah, if you get access to all those different EVs, extra fun. 
So just diving in a little bit, another level on the partnership thing. So, so what kind of like, what are the service level agreements? What, what, what kind of details do you have to work out in those to make sure it all, it all works as planned and you're satisfying Nevi requirements and you're satisfying your own expectations for, for, you know, how your chargers last. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Nevi, right, it's pretty clear, right. The, the, the uptime requirements kind of dictate sort of a highest level of, of SLA or, or of contract uh, back to the manufacturer. Right. So this is, I mean, if we look at 97% uptime and you do the math, you've got basically 11 days in a calendar year that your charger can be down before you're in violation of, of Nevi standards. And so that requires quick response, um, right? You can't uh, you can't take a couple of days troubleshooting remotely and then ship parts. And so, you know, we, we talk with customers pretty frequently about ensuring that we've got localized trained individuals to support their chargers. Uh, if possible, the, that the customers keep some level of, of spares on site so we can do, you know, same day response. And sometimes uh, in some cases outside of Nevi, right, there's there's a couple of different levels that, that we offer as a company you know, faster response versus slower response. There are different entitlements that go along with the contracts. But, you know, we we have those conversations and try to tailor our approach basically to the customer's needs, depending upon what uh, what type of customer base they may be serving. Yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned about how much, how you have to be quickly on top of it and not waste time on anything that might slow down the process. You know, in the earlier days, I remember using PlugShare if you saw a charging station was down months ago, you're like, oh, it's probably still down. You know, you're like, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't trust that one because you know, and and often it, you couldn't. I mean, you could, you could check it out, and then, oh yeah, it's still down. Uh, so it's interesting when you talk about, you know, you've got to basically get it up within a, you know, a day or a few days, or else you're in real uh, jeopardy um, of of uh, falling out of line. So yeah, I mean. To have on-call support, you need a certain kind of program in place that you know you can troubleshoot on-call, and that would presumably be critical to to this kind of you know uptime. Since you would have you wouldn't be sending ABB people out everywhere in the country, you would have you know I'm sure partners and and people you'd work with, but you'd still need that 24/7 you know that 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 really good on-call team. How do you go about? What have you done to make sure you have a, a great team to support, you know, your partners in the field? Yeah, I mean, each each geography is a little bit different when we look at how do we provide that that 24-7 support, right? So, you know, as a growing team in the U.S., we haven't established a full, like, 24-7 network operations center. Today, we use an on-call methodology. So, uh, if a customer does call in at two in the morning with a down charger, we've got somebody on standby that can pick up the phone and provide some remote level of troubleshooting if necessary. Uh, in other areas where we've seen growth in Europe, we've begun to stand up 24-7 uh, remote support activity. Instead of being on call, we have people staffed. Yeah. And just to clarify, I mean, for anyone listening who's not aware, you know, the European EV market is quite far ahead of ours. It's about 20% of new car sales are electric there. Whereas uh, in the U.S. we're about six seven percent, so you have just a much more mature market where I'm sure you have much more need for it, congestion, much more money, more calls coming in, so that would support you know the kind of um, the market must support much more that kind of twenty four seven workforce, right? Yeah, it's got its own unique challenges with uh, language barriers and oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know today we're we're at the point where we're able to establish some twenty four seven support in various countries. 
primarily in English, right? And there's but approximately here, like 13,000 EV charging networks there. You know, there's so many yeah. different networks. Every country has got a handful, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty unique market compared to here in the U.S., right? I think, you know, on our roadmap now, we begin to look up, look at standing up that 24-7 staffed support to provide that level of care to, to customers as we see uh, the market shift to more of a, a mission-critical type approach. Well, that must help the your your presence in the U.S. market, right? You have all the learnings from Europe. You have the ability to say, okay, U.S. will be here in six or twelve months. You know, we should do this to get that in place. That must be a lot of. You must carry a lot of that over, right? I, absolutely. We we definitely look at best practices as we've rolled out networks in Europe and try to understand and learn from from mistakes as well as take those best practices and apply them here where applicable. So can you talk a bit more about your process for recruiting and training? Are you going into Silicon Valley and having, you know, job fairs? Or are you are you contacting technical universities around the nation? How do you, how do you go about recruiting and training? Yeah, so I mean, I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, with establishing a network of experienced engineers is is tough, right? There's no pool of people to pull from. So we go out and we hunt those parallel industries and what we're looking for there are people that have provided you know, years of customer support, years of on-site activity. They, they're used to operating independently, carrying a toolbox, potentially getting on an airplane or getting in a vehicle and driving to a site. Those are our more experienced folks, right? And, and that's where we really started to build our team here in the U.S. At the same point in time, right, we, we have to find the next generation. And so that's when we move in and we target the technical schools and we start working with community colleges. And we use military recruiters and folks that are going to separate uh, from the military with four, six, 10 years of experience under their belt. You know, those are folks that we, we trust because we know they're trainable, right? Uh, we know they can operate independently. Uh, and so that's that's one area we really like to target as well. Tech schools, we're not so much, you know, invading Silicon Valley yet and recruiting against some of the bigger companies out there. That's a tough, that's a tough market. They have, exactly. they all expect to become billionaires in two years, you know? <laughs> exactly. So we, we found our niche, I think, uh, you know, I'm sure our competitors are out there doing the exact same thing. And so how do you feel about, uh, do you feel you are able to scale that workforce up as despite, you know, the rapid, I mean along with the rapid growth of the EV market, or do you have concerns about, you know, 2024, 2025 beyond? No, I think we've done really well in scaling up from, from we, we've had some dry patches, right? The, the market in general in the U.S., right, has been pretty hot lately. Uh, when you look at the EV market in particular, right, it's, it's probably more challenging than most. Uh, we've had a few roles that have been more challenging to recruit for, but overall, I'm pretty happy with the growth. We're on a great tra trajectory throughout 2023. No major concerns from my perspective as we look forward. You know, I still will, will look to hire probably another 40 plus people this year. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I've been covering this industry for, well, the EV industry for 11 years, uh, clean tech for 15 or 16 years. And what I've found more and more in recent years, as all of these industries have grown exponentially is it's sort of, you know, the workforce, it seems to be the biggest challenge for a lot of companies at all levels, whether it's the executive level or the software engineer level or whatever, there's just, there's so much growth and there's, you know, limited, you know, uh, supply of people for this. So I just find that's just consistently a problem. So it's good to hear that you have been proactive enough about it, that you're, that you're growing as, as you need that, that core portion of your, of your company. I mean, I guess it helps being a giant 
you know, multinational corporation that's been around for a hundred years or something, but still. So, you know, we, I think we're focusing basically on ABB maintenance of chargers. There's also potential. I mean, a, a, someone who bought your chargers could just go to third party maintenance people, service people, perhaps thinking they'd get a better deal or something, or they have the people that they, they know that they go to for everything. What can you say about ABB maintenance versus third party service? Yeah, I think, you know, when you when you have maintenance done by the manufacturer of the equipment, there is there's a certain level that you can expect, right? There's a there's a level of training behind that maintenance, behind that technician, right? There's there's engineering support, there's there's support from technical support specialists. You know, when you look at using a third party, particularly one that potentially is untrained or uncertified, right? You run the risk of of equipment challenges, we'll say, right? So there's these are they're not, uh, EV charger is not a simple piece of equipment from that perspective. And in particular, when you look at ABB's design, there is a lot that's sort of hidden behind the curtain. I would say that you need special software to access, right? Or from a set point standpoint, from a maintenance standpoint, even things as simple as changing a circuit board may require us to dial in remotely and, and just push uh, some sort of firmware out to that board, right? Uh, third parties have their place. We work with a lot of them, right? What I would advise customers to do is look for a certified third party, right? That's when you're going to get that that kind of next level of maintenance. You said certified third party. So you have yeah. a program for certifying uh, people who are yep. not working for you, but who you feel have the training to to deal with your, your equipment. Yep. Yeah, I would say it's in uh, the sort of infant stages right now. We work with a couple of, of third parties and a couple of service partners or subcontractors to, to get them certified where there's a special need. Uh, maybe it's an area that I have a challenge with, with getting to. Maybe it's a particular customer that, that has that sort of request back to ABB. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're working quite hard to grow that program. And, you know, with anything, whether it's going to the dentist or having your car checked uh, on a regular basis, you know, there's the question of preventive maintenance versus reactive maintenance. So, you know, you probably have something in place to try to prevent issues from popping up by now, right? How much, how much is that worked into agreements? What kind of, what, what does that look like right now for you guys, the preventive maintenance side of chargers versus just, Oh, the chargers broke quick, get there ASAP, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, preventative maintenance is obviously very important, particularly when we see utilization climbing today, right? EV chargers, generally sit in really bad areas, right? So a lot of dirt, a lot of dust, uh, exposure to weather. Uh, I mean, we've all been out at charging stations. We've got a, you know, the hundred degree sun beating down on us, uh, wishing that we had, you know, something over top of the chargers. Yeah. Right? That's that, a that, common request. I will say it has been for a while, especially I'm in Florida, you know, we, it already is hitting a hundred degrees here. So it's, you know, it's a big problem. And I've seen Two problems with screens. So we'll come back. I, I'm going to let you go, continue. But before I forget, so some stations, the screens are just completely, you can't look, see through them anymore. There's a, and that, these are just a few years old, some of these. And other screens, they just have horrible glare uh, properties. So you, it's very hard to see them in general, even if they're new and clean, uh, not fried by the sun. So you can talk about screens in a moment or or just the you know challenges of preventive maintenance in heat hot climates because a lot of uh, this is happening in the south. But yeah, continue on with sorry, your um preventive maintenance. 
No, you make a great point, right? I, I try to avoid west-facing chargers in the evening as best I can, but but a lot of times, right, we don't have a choice. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's all part of PMs, right? That's all part of preventative maintenance, right? Going out and seeing what the customer is going to experience when they utilize that charger, right? So understanding if the the, the HMI, right, the display is is fading, uh, if it's got sunspots, if, if uh, you can clearly see it, right, is the contrast set correctly. Uh, there's there's a bunch that goes into PMs uh, and, and into preventative maintenance overall, right? But as we see utilization increase of chargers, right, that, that drives even more need for ensuring that things like filters are clean and that your power modules are working correctly and that we don't need to do any sort of retrofitting activity on a charger that's very, very heavily utilized. So all of our agreements, right, um, pretty clearly spell out the, the level of preventative maintenance that you're going to get as a part of, of the service activities. Uh, it's it's becomes more and more important every day. You check for squirrels and raccoons, right? <laughs> well, you will find some strange things out there. Yeah, I bet. So, you know, you mentioned that for a moment ago, and I forgot I was going to come back to that. You know, technology has evolved greatly in just five years or so. You know, it wasn't that long ago where 50 kilowatt was fastest EV charger. You know, that was that was a fast charger. Nowadays, I don't think many people would consider that a fast charger anymore. It'd be like oh that's a slow charger i want a 150 250 350 you know 350 is sort of the, the standard now how do you deal with just that quick that rapid evolution of technology and the the mixture of chargers you have out there from you know 50 kilowatt to 350 kilowatt and then you know after that briefly because i feel like there's not probably i don't know is there is there an expectation we go far beyond 350 i wouldn't think so but i'll leave that to you to answer yeah. So I think, you know, when we look at, I, I got asked this question the other week, uh, how long should an EV charger last, right? Or how long are they built to last? And so, you know, we, we look at, at the technology probably being, you know, seven to 10 years, depending upon utilization and, and environmentals. But the reality of the situation is nothing is lasting that long because the technology is changing too quickly, right? To your point, it wasn't just a couple of years ago, the, the 50 kilowatts was your, your DC fast charger out there. And, and to your point, now you avoid them, right? And go look for something a little bit faster. So uh, the reality is that the market is changing rapidly. And so the, the technology is probably moving faster than the equipment today. When we look at how we service that wide breadth of equipment, right? From 24 kilowatt DC wall boxes up to 350 kilowatt you know, public facing chargers. Uh, we have a sort of track that we put newer field engineers on, right? So whether they come in as a, a sort of what we call a grow your own type of technician or a more experienced technician, we have a, a way that we start them on, generally speaking, smaller equipment uh, that tends to be a little bit simpler and, and move them progressively through training up to the bigger, you know, ultimately to service 350 kilowatt chargers. So uh, they're useful for you. They're good training, oh, yeah. training equipment. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah, they do have some value, and, and right, depending upon the market space that you find those chargers in, right, there's still a home for, you yeah, know, you know, four kilowatt chargers and fleet applications and in middle mile type of approaches. Yeah, and I actually still like a slower fast charger if it's at a shop because nowadays I'm often rushing out of the shop to unplug so that you know I'm not sitting at a charger after I'm done plugging. So I actually yeah. like that kind of you know, slower or mid-range, you know, 50 to 150 uh, speed, depending on, you know, where you're going, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's interesting. And I mean, 
it's got to be it's easier for the sales team right they're just like oh look this is the hot new technology you need you guys have to deal with maintaining servicing you know charges that range dramatically in in technology and and uh, i'm sure wear and tear yeah um, you know, I think the the market and how how big we go in charging is going to be driven by vehicles. I think that, you know, the bigger battery packs, faster battery packs and allow for faster charging. There is a probably an opportunity to move past 350 kilowatts, certainly in in different class of vehicles as we look at, you know, semis and, and long haul type vehicles. Right. Megawatt charging is something that's on the horizon for, for a lot of uh, a lot of manufacturers. Right. Whether that's ever applicable in the public space, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, I just I feel like there's the law of diminishing returns must come into play here. Like as uh, at some point, yeah. I mean, it's it seems like 350 is pretty fast, and you know, and also very high power with all the challenges that come from that high power. You know, so uh, I don't know, but uh, clearly, yeah, megawatt charging is is taking taking place now in the or starting to take place in the heavy duty trucking space, but. Yeah, that's sort of a whole different conversation, I think, right? There's the, you know, the vehicle, right? And to your point, the infrastructure, the location, what it can support, and you know, that's at some point in time. I, I mean, if you if you big. think about it, 30 years ago, I wouldn't expect that all the cars on the road be be as big as they are now, you know? Like the cars have gotten far bigger. So maybe in, in 10 years there'll all be cyber trucks and hummers, right? No, just, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Please no. I no. actually I feel like we're going a little bit in the other direction now, which I'm quite happy about. People are getting yeah. SUVs and crossovers that are nearly cars, which is I think I, I like it more. I don't like the giant vehicles all over yeah. all around me. So just you know we talked about a lot of different matters here and you, you know you've got policy matters you've got scaling matters you've got uh, all kinds of things what are what do you see as the biggest hurdles from abb's perspective and uh, i guess for the next you know let's say five years what do you see as the biggest hurdles and and you know, how are you how are you addressing them yeah, I think, you know, that that question, the answer to that question can change depending on the day of the week, to be honest with you, right? So some days you you look at the technology advancement, you say, wow, this is, you know, this is one of the bigger challenges we have. Uh, Just so you know, it's type. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah, so it's Tuesday. Give me your Tuesday so what, answer. What is, my, what is my Tuesday problem? Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the technology, right, that's training people to work across multiple different industries, right? Public facing chargers, maybe heavy transit. Uh, maybe the fleet space, right? Those are all kind of different uh, approaches, different needs from a customer perspective, different charger technologies, right? So that at some point in time, again, you've got the, the law of diminishing returns. I can't train a technician to know everything about every piece of equipment out there. So that that's a challenge that we see occasionally. You know, when I talk to the sales team today and we look at what, what are challenges in the market, it's not so much charger delivery anymore, it's more infrastructure delivery, right? So uh, some of the ancillary pieces that you need transformers and switch gear, that's probably you know a bit of a short-term challenge that we'll see in the market probably over the next year or so. People, personnel, the right level of training, the right level of experience is, is also a challenge that we're faced with. Again, we talked quite a bit about how we address that here, but it's it's that's probably the funnest problem to deal with, right? We get to, to drag people out of other industries. And, yeah, it sounded like you have that down pretty good. That doesn't seem like a yeah, big hurdle for you. It's one of them that I enjoy. So, you know, um, definitely definitely must be a big hurdle, but you definitely sound like you have that down well, which I mean, I have to think that's not the same across the industry. No offense to anyone else, but I mean you have the benefit of 
the backing of ABB, which has so much experience in different fields uh, in the, you know, everything power and electronics, like ABB is involved in, right? So that must help you a lot. What yeah, about I policy matter? Because, you know, we've I'm sure you've seen that with the EV incentives. You know, that's been a bit of a, a bit of a train wreck, like just the, the whole process, you know, it's like, oh, great. I would say it's been about eight months or something where it was unclear, like who's going to get incentives, what they're going to be. It's still sort of a question like, oh, are these EVs going to get them? I haven't heard about that on the charging side. I haven't heard about much confusion with Nevi, but again, the cars get a lot more attention. Are you having any trouble just having that discussion with policymakers and regulatory agencies and that and that kind of thing, just to understand, get on the same vocabulary, get on the same page or or not so much? I'll say, you know, from my perspective, I am by no means the expert in this area, but we have it, it here at ABB in the U.S., we have a fantastic policy team. I'm going to give them their plug now, right? It's a, it's a team of about five or six people that are working with all the states. They're working with, uh, with a lot of the folks that are working to set this policy around chargers, right? These folks are the experts, right? When I have questions about policy in the state of Colorado, right, I know exactly who to place a phone call to. Uh, I don't have to know all You got to give me that list. Yeah, we need that list too. They are are really some great people, right? If you ever want to bring somebody else on your podcast here from ADD, I would absolutely recommend somebody from our policy team. Uh, this is this I think is we just need a list like if something happens in Arkansas who do we contact for and and uh it sounds like you've got a list so we'll have to get that from you after, afterwards yeah so from my perspective right whenever I have questions I know exactly who I'm picking up and calling and and you know it's going to be Alex in the west and it's going to be Olivia in the east and and depending on where the state's at I, I know exactly who to call there is I think still some confusion right in the EV charging space around what qualifies for incentives? What are the requirements? Each state is just a little bit different, just different enough to make it confusing, right? So, yeah, I bet that's what they love to do, right? Well, we've talked about a lot of abstract ideas. Can you give some real world examples of projects or partnerships that kind of, you know, put this into a little bit more visibility? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've been focused on uh, really working with a lot of public facing charging companies right now trying to drive a better user experience. And so we recently partnered with uh, one of the larger CPOs out there, right, to drive a, a little bit better of a maintenance initiative around their their chargers, right? And so with ABB's work with them, we've seen a 20% increase in availability of their chargers across wow. an ABB network right and so that's i mean that really trickles down to the individual user level right the the consumer the driver level Uh, and so we do see where our maintenance activities can drive a little bit better experience for the driver and that's ultimately our goal particularly in the public space right who we we have our customers but ultimately our customer is the the ev driver right and so you know I, i imagine you mostly work with charging networks who buy your stations but there's you know increasing number of retailers and i mean there's some big names popping up more and more you know that are just directly doing it are there any notable names like that that you're working with yet on on uh yeah on not not so much on the main side right you talk about yeah there's notable names popping up and wanting to to do work in this space but there there's about a year to 18 lag time before those chargers are in the ground and they start picking up the phone to talk to me right so I would say, you know, ABB Mobility in the U.S. is certainly working with those 
those larger retailers and, and looking at opportunities where we could support them in their uh, in their charging infrastructure. It hasn't so, quite made it down to me at this point. They get passed on to your desk later on. Yeah. That's yeah, good. yeah. I see those after they're in the ground, right? Yeah. Well, are there any any topics we miss or anything you want to go back to? Yeah. No, I think, you know, it's, it's great conversations, Zach. I, I really appreciate it. I love any opportunity to to talk about uh, EV charging in general, right? Maintenance activities and and you know, service, uh, which is is what I really love. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um always learn something, but I was it just hit me when I when you're talk, talking about the sales kind of growth. I was like, man, this is really a gap in our coverage. And so I think, you know, hopefully we get follow up maybe and have some kind of start setting up a better process for routine reporting on growth of uh, of EV chargers and, and networks. And um, as you know, we, we do it just here and there when news comes out. But I feel like, you know, we can reach out to you and some others and perhaps have a kind of more regular report on how you guys are are developing even things like you know your service and maintenance workforce like that kind of thing like kind of seeing how that's progressing all of this is just i, I realized talking to you i know a lot less about it than i should i'm like i'm like wow this there's a lot more here that we don't spend the time digging in on and we should you know i think cars get a little too much of the focus sometimes right they do get the, they do get a lot of the shine don't they so <laughs> yeah but definitely a pleasure great work over there uh, at your team uh, definitely look forward to seeing you guys grow with the uh, with the market. Always been a clean tech leader. I think uh, one of the big clean tech leaders in the world. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate the time, Dave. Everyone have a good day. Check in next time for Clean Tech Talk and be sure to subscribe or like wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or elsewhere. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,